Welcome into TFW Live, the best kept secret in fantasy football, where we keep that week one feeling going all year long. I'm Big Travi. I'm joined here by my best friends, Johnny and Austin. And of course, you, Whisper Nation, what's going on? We've got Slim Reaper in the chat. And what's up to him and everyone else that is going to be joining in later on today's episode? We are joined by a very special guest, Dave Kluge. You know him from Football Guys. And if you haven't followed him yet, he is a fantastic follow on Twitter at Dave Kluge. What is going on, Dave? Uh, not too much. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, the only time I've been on the show with you guys before was when you guys did that potathon last offseason, which was a blast. But I'm excited to hop back on here for an actual full show. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, it seems like each time we do this together, not, neither of us, uh, you and me, are at 100%. Last time we did it, I didn't have a voice. I'm surprised <laughs> right. you even remember. Uh, and then this time you've got the shoulder thing going on. We got we wishing you all the best as you go into surgery next week, and we just appreciate you taking the time to do this. But let the people know where they can find you, obviously on Twitter at Dave Kluge. What else you got work, you're working on? Yeah, you know, last year I was, uh, I, I was over here and over there and doing a million different things, but now it's really easy. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K. I'll make it it nice and easy for everyone absolutely we love it we love it we also have his link tree i think in the description is that correct absolutely yep so you guys can find them all there whisper nation but before we get into you know kind of the show i'm excited to talk about some of the stuff you've been tweeting out you've been working on dave with, with the panel here of course we're going to play a little deal or no deal and so before we do you know we usually we've got to ask you to open the briefcase so we wanted to ask you your favorite number so we can pick the right the right case here all right. Favorite number is 24. All See, right. I, I, right. I was born on March 23rd, and I always hated picking 23 in sports because everyone was like, oh, Michael Jordan. So I, I just opted for 24, and it's stuck ever since. There you I go. thought it was like a Jeff Gordon thing or something. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right. 24. She's excited yeah. about this trade. Let's see if you are. You're going to be receiving Debo Samuel and Joe Burrow. You'd be sending away Josh Allen and Deontay Johnson. So, Dave, obviously, we don't know some of the point uh, situations. Oh, actually, it's a super flex league. We know that yes. much. So would you uh, would you smash accept or you decline in this one? Um, I'd be declining this one. I think I want the Josh Allen and Deontay Johnson side. I am not all that high on Joe Burrow in Dynasty or just fantasy football in general. Uh, what we saw last year was was great. You know, he had a really nice finish to the season. But for somebody that doesn't rush the ball, he is going to need insane efficiency, insane efficiency to crack that elite tier mm. of fantasy quarterbacks. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I like him, but I've got him more as a mid to back end QB one where Josh Allen is the clear cut guy that's going to be a difference maker. He's going to give you a five to ten point advantage almost every single week at that spot. And then Deontay and Debo, I think that they're kind of similar you know you give the slight edge to Debo there but I just think that um the the gap between Allen and Burrow is so much bigger I just want to ask really quick because we were chopping this up a little bit before the show about Mike Tomlin and the Steelers propensity to not re-sign wide receivers we've seen a lot of them they let them go you know they pick up Juju again on that one-year deal but he's with the Chiefs now and he's still in his 20s and they have a history of doing that do you see that trend continuing possibly with Deontay Johnson at a contract year or do you think they lock him up long term Absolutely. I think he is gone. Um, you know, I think that it was very, uh, there, there, it was very, there, there was a reason that they went out and they drafted George Pickens this year. And I think that they just plan for the next guy to step in. And that's what they do. This team doesn't spend money at wide receiver. It is just, we see it all the time where we see these great wide receivers just move on from Pittsburgh. And I think this is the end of the road for Deontay Johnson. And I, I think Deontay Johnson is great, you know, especially over the last couple of years, but I'm really interested to see how he does without Ben Roethlisberger. I can't help but feel like his production was really propped up by Ben Roethlisberger's waning arm strength, and they just had this connection that was just automatic with each other, and the targets were there, and he was just kind of an extension of the run game more than he was really playing a receiver. So it'll be interesting to see how he does if he has to step up as a number one guy and doesn't get those little two, three-yard dump-offs all game. Yeah, that's a very interesting take. That's kind of the reason why I'm into Claypool this year, because especially if they move Claypool into the slot, I think there's something that could be said about, you know, Pickett in college was really good at targeting the slot in the intermediate uh, part of the field. So I think that could be really good for Claypool. Johnny, uh, you you think this this trade kind of feels like you're you're sending away guys that like flashed that uh -huh. are probably not like, you know, maybe a flash in the pan. I don't think that Burrow's not going to be good, but like in fantasy what we saw like kind of what dave was saying and you're you're sending away the guys that are good that are solid for guys that are like maybe one hit wonders at that yeah, that peak right yeah well i'm also wondering is 
Dave, what are you? What's your perspective on? Do you think because if if Josh Allen does end up actually one of that we talk about it, but if he actually he's not gonna stop running, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he thinks he's I'm not, I'm not saying stop running. I'm not saying stop running. I am saying he is average over eight, to, or he has always scored over eight rushing touchdowns every single. That that's a lot of fantasy points. So if you t- cut that in half, that's a lot of fantasy points that you are no longer getting which would not put him as a QB one. Joe Burrow is way younger. Well, actually, no, he's not actually, right? That's actually, I think they're both 25, I believe. They're both the same. Yeah. So, okay. So that the age won't, won't matter much. So it's, but here's the thing. Would you rather have Joe Burrow with all of his weapons or would you rather have uh, Josh Allen and his weapons moving forward? Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Joe Burrow has the massive advantage of throwing the ball to Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins. And I think, you know, I'll kind of push against what I said, taking the, the Josh Allen side. The one thing you can kind of hope for is that Joe Burrow does start to run a little bit more because we saw it a lot in college and we saw it even as a rookie knee where he was very nimble. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then this year he was coming off of a gruesome knee injury. He had the brace on his leg and he wasn't really all that mobile. So you can project that maybe Joe Burrow starts to run the ball a little bit more, but I don't think that Josh Allen is suddenly going to change up his game. Like you said, he's still just 25 years old. When we see rushing quarterbacks start to tail down their rushing, that's usually in their early 30s. I mean, we just saw it this year with Russell Wilson at 32 years old. Cam did it all the way in his 30s, so I think you still got another four to five years at least where Josh Allen's going to be an elite rusher. The one last thing I'll say, kind of pushing against the take that I made once again, a lot of people are saying that the James Cook signing is a reason that we can expect Josh Allen to run the ball less, that they just invested, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars into Josh Allen. They want to make sure that yeah. he's healthy. So they're going to try to retrain him this year to start, hey, rather than just mowing through a defender, try to check down and throw the ball to James Cook. So it's possible. But I think what we've seen from the last few years from Josh Allen, this guy's just an elite talent. I think that he's going to be a top three quarterback just about every single year that he can stay healthy for the next five or six years. I want to just add a little bit on to the Josh Allen support there, as well as one point of the Joe Burrow rushing with Josh Allen. I agree, Johnny, that his rushing touchdowns could very well get cut in half. Last year, he had six, eight before that, nine the year before that. His rookie season, he had eight. You could cut those in half. He still also hasn't broken 40 touchdown passes in a season. And to Dave's point, if we have James Cook coming in and we start developing a little more of a screen game in the in the arsenal, then that could be, you know, two, three, four more touchdown passes that he picks up. So it's not going to be a huge drop off. I there is the data to support what you're saying on Joe Burrow about his rushing uptick. He had three rushing touchdowns his rookie season, and he only played 10 games. He missed all that time. So he was on pace there, you know, for five, six touchdowns. We'll see if he gets more comfortable. And I think we could expect some of that with a healthy knee. Yeah, I mean, Burrow ran quite a bit in college, actually. He was very efficient as a runner in college. So if we see him shed the knee brace and then run more, he's definitely a guy that could close some of the gap. I think, though, talking about a super flex league, I mean, Josh Allen is the first quarterback to repeat his QB one, I believe, uh, over the last few seasons. So, like, that's something to, like, knock that he's not just the best. He's he's QB one right now. So that's something to keep in mind in super flex leagues. All right. So we're going to work through some of the recent news really quickly uh, before we get into some of what Dave's been working on and some of the intriguing stuff we've got over there. Uh, we've got some news out of 49ers uh, camp here, or the rookie camp. Ty Davis-Price said that he intends to play between 220, 222 pounds this season. He's slimmed down to 211 for the combine, mm-hmm. but this is a clear sign that San Francisco wants to truly beef, or they want the want true beef and physicality at Davis-Price at the running back spot. Austin, uh, when we looked at like this, we talked about this backfield as maybe Elijah Mitchell playing the Raheem Mostert role, and then maybe this Ty Davis-Price playing the Jeff Wilson role. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're going to keep – How are you buying this, selling this? Is this big news? I'm not buying anybody in the backfield of the 49ers for, for a high price, but I'm buying anybody I can get at a discount because they just they, – they love to run the ball. They're so effective at it, but they got a lot of weapons and they use a lot of people, and I could give you a take, but I, I don't have a ton of weight behind it. I would play the numbers on this one. And I would be trying to pick up whoever I could get at a value price. That's my outlook as of May 19th. I feel that. Uh, moving on to the next piece of news, we have Philip Lindsay signing with the Indianapolis Colts, formerly of the Dolphins, obviously the Texans as well, and the Broncos, where he made kind of a name for himself. Johnny, we've got JT's replacement right here, right? 
Oh, absolutely, <laughs> dude. Give him the ball. He's been wanting to feed, feed himself, dude. But he I wants think to prove himself. Jokes aside, do we have a question here? Because, like, was Naheem Hines really a true handcuff? And if he wasn't going to be, does Lindsey play some sort of role as a handcuff? Anybody you'd be looking at uh, to, to cuff up JT with, Johnny? No, I think this is a depth chart move, right? Because they lost Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, and they like to have a plethora of running backs just in case. He might get a couple carries here or there, uh, I would imagine, in, in games, just a couple of touches, but nothing much. Mostly just to hold the water of Jonathan Taylor to keep it, um, you know, from being, you know, contaminated by somebody else trying to get right. him sick. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Speaking of Chris Godwin and speaking at OTAs, Todd Bowles said that the wide receiver Chris Godwin is better than where he was, but not where he needs to be. We don't put a timetable on it. Dave, are you just letting the summer play itself out or do you have concerns about Chris Godwin to start the year this year? Yeah, I mean, of course I'm concerned. That was a very late season ACL tear, but um, show me a single bad report from any offseason in May. They're always saying that he's, you know, better <laughs> or that he's ahead of schedule. I've never once Best seen a report in May life. saying, oh, we're yeah. excited about how this guy's going to get along. So, yeah, I think you got to wait until, um, you know, at, at least July before you start panicking on Godwin. Sounds good. All right, moving on to the Miami Dolphins, talking about Raheem Mostert. Speaking at OTAs, Mike McDaniel, speaking of a May report, said of Raheem Mostert, his expectations are to play week one and not going to rush it. When he's ready, he'll be on the field. So similar to what Dave said, Austin, we started with the San Francisco backfield. We're going to end with on the, yeah, on basically San Francisco light over in Miami. How do you feel about Raheem Mostert, kind of the whole backfield as a whole? I mean, as Johnny put it in our dynasty league of record, Raheem Mostert's got more points and more games played the last two seasons than Christian McCaffrey does. That's more of a comp. I mean, that's not totally a fair point, but Raheem Mostert, when he plays, we know what he's capable of. It's just, he doesn't play. And I don't know why that is going to change, but hell it's a new season. We'll see what happens. I remember when Darren McFadden was perennially the injury guy. And then he had that one year where he came in and like played. Oh my gosh. You remember that? And he was an actual piece. Remember that? Oh man. Is it likely? No, but could it? Let's hope. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett. (laughs) All right. Well, that kind of wraps up the news. It's getting a little slower now that we've gotten past the draft, obviously, but we'll get more of uh, OTAs and camps coming in. So we'll get more news there. We're going to jump into some fantasy football talk here with our man, Dave. Uh, You've been doing great work on Twitter. I don't, I guess, you know, it was really easy to pull content for this show just because some of the tweets you put out, they have gained great traction. A lot of it's just questions you have in your head. A lot of it's, you know, research you go and do and you work on. Do you have a a general theme for what you're trying to do uh, on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, so many people are scared to put takes out on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is just it's toxic as all hell. I mean, you put stuff out there and people are just going to shred you for it. And you got to have thick skin, but I, I, I do it all the time. And, you know, every time I'm writing an article studying up for a show that I'm about to be on, filming a short video, whatever it is, I'm just taking little nuggets of information that I dig up and just throwing them in my tweet drafts. So my tweet drafts, I've got hundreds of little hard-hitting facts that I can just spit out at any time. And that, that's what I do. And then I just kind of wake up in the morning and, all right, which one do I want to fire off today? And I'll, I'll spit some tweets out there. But um, I really, I mean, all, all it is, I'm just not scared of getting pushback on Twitter. And I think a lot of people are. And I just throw my takes out there and, and deal with it. So you <laughs> give yourself a night to sleep on it, essentially, or you, you, you arm yourself up with a bunch of ammo and then you wake up and you're like, what looks good today? How am I yeah, feeling right I, now? I, I mean, there, there's sometimes, yeah, there's sometimes that tweets will sit in my drafts for months at a time. And, uh, you know, the, I fired off an Amon St. Brown one this morning that was a little bit condescending, a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> And that's just the mood I was in this morning when I woke up. Gonna be fine. Today. I'm going to fire gonna it be off fine. Today. Oh, yeah, I read that you, one. Do you like subcategorize them? You're like, oh, this is like a happy, sad, uh, mm. stressed. I, I don't go that deep, but yeah, you know, he's got just, a mood ring on, and then that's how he yeah. che- checks the tweet out. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's just so many people spend all this time studying, and 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 my thing is just trying to spread my content across as many platforms as I can. So if I'm doing a deep dive on Damian Harris, I'm going to write an article on Damian Harris. I'm going to record a short video on Damian Harris. I'm going to talk about Damian Harris on the next two or three shows that I guest on. I'm going to fire off some tweets about Damian Harris. And I feel like people are so quick to just write an article and then immediately move on to the next thing. And their content and their work isn't getting shared where I just try to spread myself out across as many platforms and different channels as I can. 
I mean, it makes so much sense. You're already in there working on it. You might as well just, you know, because not everybody's going to read the article, but some people are going to read Twitter. Some people are going to listen. Try and get that information out to as many people as possible. That's also what we're trying to do over here by bringing you on the show. So let's get into it. You talked about Damian Harris. We're going to fire up a couple of those tweets here. Uh, One of them, uh, you put 48.9% of Ramondre Stevenson's carries last season came in games where Damian Harris was sidelined with an injury. If you factor in week 17, where Harris was limited with a hamstring injury and only played 22% of the team's snaps, Stevenson's numbers jumped to 63.2%. That 63.2% of his usage in 41.7% of his games, that's what we're working with there. That's still, to you, says that that's still Harris's backfield right there. Factoring out those five games where Harris was injured and the five games where Stevenson was injured slash scratched, that leaves us with seven games where both backs were fully healthy. And you and you broke this down here. Stevenson had 49 carries, 262, uh, 49 carries, 262 yards and one touchdown. And Harris had 109 carries, 442 yards and seven touchdowns. So I, I just want to give you a chance to kind of back up what you're saying here and some of the other stuff, because I haven't seen a lot of Damian Harris love out there on, on Twitter right now. So, right. And, and like we talked about spreading myself thin, I just came out with a video yesterday morning that you can find in the football guys, YouTube channel, which is a six minute video of me talking about Damian Harris. <laughs> but I, I feel like we have just overcorrected and I, and I get it. You know, you want to swing for upside when you're drafting running backs and Damian Harris, he doesn't catch passes last year. He had an insane touchdown rate that is probably going to regress. Bill Belichick has this ridiculous, history of just toying with us when it comes to running backs but I don't think that it's that convoluted of a situation right now I mean we have seen now for this is for two straight years where it has been Damian Harris's backfield and I was tweeting this out in summer of 2020 as well that when you look at the overall numbers for Sony Michelle and Damian Harris it looked like it was a really confusing backfield but when you look at the games where they were both fully healthy which was a very small sample size Damian Harris was very clearly the lead back and we saw that last year as well so when you look at Ramadre Stevenson's total numbers you see 133 carries you look at Damian Harris and he was at 204 205 I believe and it looks like wow this is probably you know 60 40 split but when you break it down and look at the games that they played where they were both healthy this was very clearly Damian Harris's backfield um, and, and I just think that we have overcorrected as a collective when he is getting drafted behind Cordero Patterson and Miles mm. Sanders and some of these other guys. Um, I took it a step further and I looked over the last five years at running backs that have seen a minimum 20 or a minimum 200 carries and less than 25 targets, which is about what most people are projecting for Damian Harris. 18 players have hit that and 16 of those 18 finished as a top 30 running back right now. Damian Harris is getting drafted as RB 29. So we are drafting Mm -hmm. him at his absolute floor. If you think he's going to see 200 touches, he's going to be a top 30 running back. If you think he's going to see the goal line work that he saw last year, which was double digit carries inside the five yard line, second most behind only Jonathan Taylor, he's going to see 12 or 15 touchdowns again. So there are reasons to be concerned, but I think that we have just vastly overcorrected. He should be getting drafted around the RB20 range, not the RB30 range. And that's like exactly what you want to do, right? When it's like, go after these backfields that have, you know, like most people don't want to touch them or you they're like, eh, I don't want to deal with that mess because it looks from the outside in like a train wreck. But really, like you, like you said, you dig in there, there's a lot of gems that you can uncover, and that's with a lot of teams. That's not just with New England. I write down – Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I write down in my, in my little fantasy football diary at the end of every season some takeaways that I picked up, and I think four years ago one note that I included in there was if you're drafting a head of a committee – try to avoid one of those guys in like rounds two or three, because if if it's a real committee and there's some real competition behind them, that to me was too expensive of a price to go after a lead guy who's in a real committee. But if you can get a lead guy in a committee down there in rounds three, four, five, six, seven, as it goes down, like that's a great gamble to pick up on. And that's where I see Damian Harris. Yes. There's going to be a lot of running backs. Yes. There he's not going to be in all the time when you want him to be there, but he is going to be that lead dog. He is going to get you a lot of points and he's probably going to be more reliable than you might giving him, be giving him credit for right now when you boil it all the way down. He feels like one of those guys, like as you avoid the dead zone and you get your, you smash wide receiver, then you scoop back up on a Damian Harris. You know, you get a guy like that who can like really solidify your RB two position. And I think that's a really good uh, strategy to go with. We're going to stick with running backs here, but we're going to move on to a tweet that Dave had that 
probably is going to hurt a lot of our feelings here, but uh, it's it's facts. You know, we have to talk about this stuff. Um, and so the last running back over the age of 26, says Dave, to have a top five fantasy football finish was LaShawn McCoy in 2016. Shout out to Shady there. You also followed this up saying notable running backs who will be over the age of 26 uh, for the 2022 season. Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, James Conner, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, and Derrick Henry. So this question is for everyone. We'll start with you, Johnny. Uh, of the 26-year-olds listed, who, in your in your opinion, has the best shot to join LaShawn McCoy um, and be the first one since 2016? I'm. I would say if I'm gonna if if I'm picking, I would lay and I had to like put one million rupees on this. It would be Nick Chubb. <laughs> Nick Chubb for sure. My boy, got to go go down with. We've been on big Nick Chubb top five for. Multiple- and eventually, I'm gonna be right. So that's what I said. If I had to put down one million rupees, dude, I would be putting it on Nick Chubb. <laughs> rupees. Yeah. Love it. Say like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Shout out Slumdog Millionaire. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but Dave, I'll, I'll kick it to you now. You can answer neither because obviously this is your tweet and the content you put out. But uh, yeah, who, who do you think has got the best shot to join LaShawn McCoy? So th- this is one of those tweets that I threw out there that is just a, a fish hook, just, you know, looking for people. I don't think that none of these guys are going to finish as top five. I think that this is the year that wow. the trend is finally bucked. But I just kind of threw it out there just to see how people would react to it. And wouldn't you know, everybody kind of went crazy over it. But um, I I think the big thing is we just saw this lull for almost 10 years where there were like no really good running backs coming into the league. And then 2018, that draft completely changed it when we saw McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and all these just stud running backs come in the league. So I think that and, and you can go back to 2016 when Z came into the league as well. So I think that now it's a little bit different because these running backs are very good running backs and we just haven't really had good running backs in a long time. So I'm going to put my chips on Leonard Fournette. This guy led all running backs in targets last year. He is a three down back on arguably the most explosive offense in the league. Highest pace of play. He gets a ton of check downs. He gets goal line touches. So I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. I just want, I got to throw in there with Leonard Fournette anytime someone's bringing him up in a positive fashion. I'm sure you've seen the video of him giggling when he gets hit. To, have you seen that I one, Dave? No, you haven't I seen that? They might. Those guys that accepts you, content. Yeah. You, you will find it. You just type Leonard Fournette laughing hit, and you will find him being mic'd up and just different series of two, three linebackers just piling on him, him hitting that truck stick and then going (laughs) every time he's like the Heinz Ward at the running back position, his neural transmitters up here, the reward and pain receptors are, are a little bit unusual comparatively speaking. And this dude just loves contact. When I saw this, I was like, you have to pull him off the field. He loves to hit and like might not be good for his body, but it's great for his fantasy production. He's one of those guys that has been so good since he came into the league and just perennially underrated. I mean, even in Jacksonville, this guy was pumping out great seasons on a terrible team. And and I don't understand why people have been sleeping on him for years now in Tampa Bay, but I've got him as my RB3 in PPR leagues this year. I'm taking him. Oh, wow. Um, and, and the nice thing is I don't have to draft him that early, but that's where I'm expecting him to get uh, to finish the season is as a top three running back. I mean, if he stays healthy, I don't think I, you just got to stay healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing. I mean, he was, yeah, that was the whole reason why we didn't get it last year out of him because he was before, on air. Before but, we jump over that one, could we, because we were talking about all those great yeah, running yeah. backs that did come in. Saquon was kind of in the middle of that with the Ezekiel Elliott and the Leonard oh, Fournette. Yeah. And like the last time we saw a halfback taken in the top five. Do you have any takes on Saquon Barkley here for our boy, Jersey Jay? Yeah, I mean, he's another guy that I have just been drafting as much as I can right now. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you guys do a lot of underdog drafts, but right now it seems like yeah, running back values back. are broken. Like we are getting so RB1s bad. in the third and fourth round. They say, you know, avoid the running back dead zone. But for some reason, I think that, again, like I was talking about earlier, overcorrecting, that's something that I think that we do a lot of this time of year. And right now, I mean, I just shared a picture yesterday where I left with uh, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Alvin Kamara as my three running backs. And I took them in the second, third, and fourth round. I mean, Barkley is just sliding into the third round right now, and it makes no sense to me. So a little drop in efficiency last year, but his passing game usage was through the roof. I mean, this guy was top 10 in like every single passing number that you can look at. Um, so I, I'm not too concerned. I mean, he's, it was his first year coming back off of an ACL. We see historically year two after the ACL is when guys look better. And the thing that everybody seems to forget, it feels like Saquon Barkley has been in the league for a decade. 
no, he's still just 25 years old. I mean, this guy is young. Yeah. He's still got a long career ahead of him. So I'm not, not a lot of tread. Yeah, not right. a lot of tread not on the in, tires. He's not in yep. Dave's deadly 26 year old club here. He's he, he missed the mark. <laughs> so, well, it's interesting you bring up the dead zone. You bring up this this influx of 26 year old talented running backs. Philosophically, I think we could see something you know in fantasy football where maybe the dead zone doesn't exist like it used to. You know, like. Not just these guys, but also every first rounder last year basically got hurt outside of Jonathan Taylor, if you're looking at him, maybe Eckler. And, and, and so I just wonder if we're going to prioritize maybe wide receivers a little bit earlier, push the running backs down a little bit. And then that's just going to be create where actually you just got to you got to pick one of these studs in that zone anyways. And uh, I, I think we're going to see I, I'm, I'm with you on the rebound of the 26 year old. That might be just because I traded for Derrick Henry with Austin in, in Dynasty. So I really want to see him continue to do that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, but, but it seems like, you know, the dead zone used to be guys that like maybe they'll be the starter. Maybe they're the pass catching back in a mm -hmm. committee. And now the dead zone, like you said, because all these wide receivers are getting pushed up the board. Now in the dead zone, you can get James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, guys that are the proven three horse backs on their team. So it's just I don't know if the dead zone really exists right now. Yeah, it, it, this is this is a different year. Yeah, it's just crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where it settles in, because like you said, we're overcorrecting now in May. Obviously, we'll have training camp news and then we'll get the ADP spikes and, and see what happens in July and August. All right. The next tweet we had from Dave, which was another great one. We actually ended up making it into a poll of sorts. Dave tweets out here. The top four picks in fantasy football, regardless of order, should be Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Then things get weird. Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, question mark, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. Who are you taking was Dave's question here. We posted this question basically to Whisper Nation in a couple different ways on Twitter and Instagram. So, Johnny, let's check the results here of Twitter. We had Austin Eckler, 33% was the winner of our Twitter poll there. And then on Instagram, Derek Henry came in. Ooh. So, Derek Henry yeah. just well, it was I, wild. He's, he's just got a huge IG presence or something, I guess. <laughs> he, well, uh, we have a lot of Tennessee Titans fans. That, yeah, uh, there we go. Or Big um, Travi. The truth is, Big Travi went to all voted a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he went to everyone <laughs> that he worked with and was like, vote Derrick Henry right now. Right. Um, so, Dave, I wanted to ask you, first of all, you tweeted this out, but you didn't really give us your answer. So where do you fall right now? At, at, all these guys are gone. You got to pick. You're on the clock now. Jamar Chase for me. I mean, Jamar Chase just had the most absurd rookie season we've seen since Randy Moss. Um, and yeah, it, it's Jamar Chase for me easily. And like, like I said, I mean, Leonard Fournette is my RB3 right now. And right now he's getting drafted as the RB14, which is kind of ludicrous. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know why his ADP is where it is. So if he creeps up and he gets an ADP somewhere in the mid first round, I might be willing to draft him as early as five. But I don't have to right now. So playing ADP a little bit to my advantage. Jamar Chase is a guy that I'm taking at five every single time. We were talking about Chase, I believe, on Monday, right? A little bit, Chase and T. Higgins. And I just wanted to ask you, Dave, if you think, because T. Higgins has a shot to be like the more consistent player, if you think Chase lived a little bit too much on the big play and if that concerns you at all and kind of taking him, or you just, you know, we, you, we, we're chasing Chase. We love it. Yeah, I, I actually tweeted about this not too long ago. It was something absurd. It was like 60%. I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was 60% of Jamar Chase's fantasy production came on seven plays. I mean, this guy was just mm -hmm. a big play waiting to happen last year. He had, uh, I believe it was six touchdowns over 50 yards. And I mean, it was just insane how much this guy relied on big plays. And when you look at when uh, towards the end of the season and through the playoffs, when he and T. Higgins were both healthy, T. Higgins was actually getting more usage. He had a higher yeah. target share than Jamar yeah. Chase did. Now, you know, I want to chalk some of that up to defenses adjusting and starting to put a little bit more pressure on Chase. Um, you, you can, I, I'm not sitting here trying to dog Chase at all. I mean, this guy's an otherworldly talent. Um, so, uh, but, but to your point, I think T Higgins is a screaming value and he's another guy that I'm super bullish on. I've got him as my wide receiver eight right now. And I, I mean, I think that wide receiver one being the overall wide receiver one is just as much in his range of outcomes mm. as it is in Jamar mm -hmm. Chase's. Mm. I think it's just a smash spot. So now I, I'm going to tie this all back. We're going to circle back to the Joe Burrow take at the top. If we think that it's good for the geese, it's got to be good for the gander. So, right, Joe Burrow, if we think both of these guys can finish, I don't think top 12 is out of the question for both guys. And then you're talking about maybe a case for both top five. I mean, I don't I, I don't know if I, both of them could be top five. But then we've got to like Joe Burrow. And what we've seen in statues, even if they don't run, Brady, you know, Stafford, 
they just have to have guys that they can sling it to all the time. Do we think the, you know, maybe the schedule or do we think it's possible here for Burrow? Uh, it is possible for Burrow. So Burrow is in that, that Burrow and uh, Brady, I have them in their own tier right beneath the rushing mm. quarterbacks. Mm. It's not that they can't be the quarterback one overall. They certainly can. But in order for them to do that, they're going to need to see bumps in efficiency and bumps in volume. I mean, the only way with their lack of rushing upside that they're going to be able to finish as DQB1 is if they throw 700 times and they have insane uh, touchdown numbers. Now, I tweeted this out again recently. This was a, a little study that I was just doing on how valuable it is to be a rushing quarterback. Jalen Hurts last year, the amount of points that he generated just from his rushing alone is equal to 27 touchdown passes from 25 yards out. So a wow. quarterback could throw 27 25-yard touchdowns, and it still wouldn't eclipse what Jalen Hurts is able to do on the ground. So the advantage that you get from a quarterback that rushes the ball is just such a game changer. So it's not that these guys that pass first can't have elite seasons. It's just that you're so much better off betting on the guys that are going to run the ball. Jalen Hurts was that number one overall quarterback for several weeks and finished the season with 16 passing touchdowns. That's it. 16. He didn't really miss any time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 10 rushing touchdowns. Sanders had zero. I mean, that's like the kind of Philadelphia Eagles thing we're working with are just like the rushing quarterback. And we're Josh Allen. Like we talked about Josh Allen at the top, the amount of rushing touchdowns uh, I think is, is just a buoy, you know, a buoy theory as well. Before we move on, can we can we get I want to jump over to Scott's point here. How is Henry not the number one? You are a crazy. He's the only offensive weapon. Love you, Scott. Make sure you drink your juice and eat your jello, all of it. But any takes on this? How do you feeling about Derrick Henry coming in? Man, 29 years old coming off an injury, looking at the workload that he has had throughout his career, there are just so many red flags there. Um, and and it's not that he can't be the number one overall guy. I mean, if he finished the season averaging 28 points a game, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. But if he goes out and doesn't do that great that year, this year, it also wouldn't surprise me. Last year, we saw a completely different style of usage for Derrick Henry where he mm. was suddenly involved in the passing game. After not seeing that at all throughout his career, then all of a sudden he's a pass-catching machine. But when you look at the efficiency numbers from last year, his yards after contact per attempt, his broken tackle rate, his juke rate, just about every single thing that Derrick Henry is known for, he hit career lows in efficiency last year. So I am very worried. We were kind of joking about me being past my age apex as my shoulder is falling apart. Well, I'm also worried that Derrick Henry is pretty far past his age curve. So it wouldn't surprise me if he has a great season, but there are just so many safer options out there that you can take at the top of the first round. Yeah. And how much of his yards per carry and yards, you know, all those advanced metrics come off because of the plate in his foot, you know, he's got to at least lose some drift with that. Right. I mean, he didn't look good in the playoffs. I mean, it was probably back. Like the first thing that was right. But he looked bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder, though, like me and Austin have had conversations about this, too, but it's like with Henry, are we trying to fit him, you know, a square peg into a circle hole with all these kind of things where, like, he's continuously shocked us uh, each and every time. So, like, why not? Like, to me, like we were taking Zeke, not at number one overall, but in the top six or something last year under the same kind of premise that he was the whole main vein of his offense. And I, are you more confident in, in Henry or Zeke to continue to do kind of what they're doing. And, you know, age difference is a thing, of course, but I just, you know, he's a special, special dude. And I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Who do you like, Zeke? I'll point out, though, is is the Tennessee rushing as a team, they didn't see a dip in rushing of uh, production when Derrick Henry went out. I mean, whether it was Adrian Peterson, Jeremy McNichols, Donata Foreman, they had almost identical uh, yeah, Don, uh, Dontrell Hillier, they had almost identical rushing production without Derrick Henry. So he's a great player, but so much of what he does has to be chalked up to scheme as well. So I'm concerned that now with him being as old as he is, there might be a little bit more of a committee approach going forward. Here's what's well, like they- the interesting part about that's kind of not being talked about from the perspective of A.J. Brown leaving. And it's just how much, I mean, mm-hmm. teams aren't going to be necessarily afraid of Traylon Burks until he really proves, hey, you need to be afraid of me and game plan for me. I don't think with the receiving core that they have, I love Bobby Trees. We'll see how he does coming back from, uh, but he's also getting up there as well in age. So it's like this receiving core, I mean, if teams really decide to stack the box, 
and really load it. I know that we haven't seen that in the past really affect Derrick Henry. They'll usually end up hurting you that way. But again, if you're talking about what Dave, you know, going along with Dave's stuff about the the efficiency, the mileage on him as he gets older, you could end up seeing that start to really affect him and get at this team and it not work out just as as planned uh, from the Tennessee's offensive side of the ball. So uh, back to this top four, this big four, I wanted to ask Johnny and Austin, and we'll, we'll start with Austin here, if you would change any of that big four and kind of sneak somebody else in and then kind of who, you know, we asked Dave who they're taking at five. Like, Austin, I'll start with you. Who, who you got at that five spot? I think for me, I am going to go Derrick Henry on this one because he has, for me, what is the clearest role. He could break down. His efficiency could fall through. Um, but I think they're going to test that. And I'm down to be a part of that test run and to see if they can break King Henry or not. We were saying the same thing about Derrick Henry start of last year. You know, coming in, people were like, nope, he's going to take a slip. He's going to fall. And ultimately, he got hurt. But he still finished as, like, he's still a top 20 running back, right? He missed, like, half the season. He, he was just absolutely crushing it. He is special. He's the biggest running back in the NFL by quite a bit. And he has a team offense that pretty much runs on his shoulders. That might be a mistake. I think it probably is. But I think they're going to go for it and see what they got. And that means fantasy points for me until he is actually out of the lineup. So we'll have to see that happen. But I think he's going to get the best shot to try to be that number one dude. Love Z's stat here. He says Henry saw the highest percentage of eight-man boxes in his entire career in 2021. Johnny, are, do you agree with Austin here at Derrick Henry, or, or who would be your fifth here? Yeah, I think I would actually go Derrick Henry, which it, it listen, it's kind of a, a change in what I traditionally believe as a fantasy football player, right? Like, I don't necessarily like to set myself up for what could end up being an inevitable downfall and actually – this could be why it could be my downfall. Uh, but I, this is what I would say. Derrick Henry always gets you off to such a great start in fantasy football. And the thing that mm-hmm. I do like about Derrick Henry's situation, we just spent a while talking about it, is we know exactly what they're going to do if he goes down. So mm-hmm. if you know that, then you can go and get this, the appropriate hand. Like Donta Foreman was a a very good piece for a lot of players if you picked him up off waivers once Derrick Henry went down, if you were able to handcuff the right handcuff, right? Well, now we traditionally, we we should know that. They kind of speak uh, spoke to us in the draft. We also have retained um, uh, McNichols. So I am okay taking Derrick Henry because I do know the certainty of what's behind him. Unlike, you know, in past years with like CMC and things like that, we might not have known exactly who the handcuff was going to be, but in most cases it ends up panning out if they end up going down and you grab that end up like Mike Davis, for example, you don't think it'd be Madison for Dalvin cook right here. You don't see that as a clear one, one. No, I do. I do. Well, I do. Well, and here's the thing. And I like, I like, I do think, I do think Ty, uh, Ty is interesting, and because Madison is on the last year of his contract, I did think about putting Cook there at, at number five because Andy's also starting to catch more passes up reportedly out of camp, so that is a little interesting there. But I, Derrick Henry is just so good, and with them getting rid of A.J. Brown, that just screams to me that they want to run the ball and even more if they can. They're the number one team in the AFC coming in. You know, they're going to try. They're not they're not in a rebuilding year, even though it kind of seems like they are. I think they're going to try to win some games. I don't know if they're going to have what it takes, but if I'm coming in as the former number one seed in the AFC, I'm not I'm not rolling over to start it off. I think he's like the most sure fire of all the guys. If we bring that back up, like if we're really looking at it like and of course, the age is the bigger question, but at least we know out of everybody what's going to happen. We think, you know, if, if they're all, all good here. Too. Yeah. But like, obviously, you know, as, as Dave said, that's where it gets weird because there's so many decisions to be made here. I bet Joe Mixon finishes with the most points of all these other guys, though. I was actually going to say no, no love for our guy, love Joe it. Mixon here. I love I love I love I'm Joe. still taking Henry, but I bet you that Joe Mixon finishes with more points between Eckler, Henry, Cook, Fournette. 
by the time it's you know, all done. Joe Mixon is still getting drafted at the one-two turn. Like that's where he was getting drafted last year. Last the guy puts up a top five season, and it's like, oh, finally, people are going to put some respect on his name. Nope, still sliding well, drafts. I mean, I it was hard to even get him. August. It was hard to even get him to that spot because people were burnt by him the previous year, and yeah, so there was like, yeah, I'm with you. All right, so we're moving on here. Dave put a tweet out about DeAndre Hopkins. He said, I thought I was going to be out on DeAndre Hopkins this year, but y'all are letting him fall into the sixth and seventh round of best ball leagues, and I can't help myself. Dave, I wanted to ask you, with Hopkins going in the fifth round in some 12-team leagues and managed leagues too, like in year-long redraft, is this take specific to only best ball for you, or do you do you find yourself maybe seeing him as somebody you'd target in redraft as well? Uh, yeah, I think fifth round might be a little bit rich, uh, but sixth or seventh round is where I'm pretty comfortable pulling the trigger on him. And I think what happened is a lot of people um, spent very similar draft capital on Michael Thomas last year and got burned, and now they want nothing to do with DeAndre Hopkins here. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just think he's going to step into the wide receiver one role. And when you look at last year, there were con- some concerns. His target share was down a little bit. His touchdown rate really, really supported his fantasy production. Um, but I'm not concerned that he is just falling off this age cliff like so many people make it out to be. Um, last year was the first year that we ever really saw him miss time with an injury. This dude is as tough as they come. I expect him to come back this year uh, from the injury, looking just like his old former self. So I- I'm not really concerned at all. He's a guy that realistically, when he's playing, still has potential to be a top five receiver. And mm-hmm. if you can get that that late in the draft, um, I, I'm, I'm all in, even if he's going to be suspended for a bit. Interesting correlation with Michael Thomas. I Obviously, the big difference being that this is a suspension, no, no injury really to worry about. Obviously, Hopkins got a little bit banged up last year. Um, that could be a big you know, cause of concern as to why he wasn't seeing the target volume that we saw. You know, he was relying on touchdowns, mainly playing through some of the injury there. Dude, so. And just on that tough as nails point, when he did get hurt, initially in the season you know i think it was a quad injury and he was lobbying to get back in the game and he won that he won that conversation he went back in the game after suffering a real quad injury and to me like that wasn't the smartest thing looking back but it does point to how tough and dedicated deandre hopkins is and as Dave pointed out up until last season like this dude doesn't miss any time it doesn't matter who's been throwing the ball this dude is that dude like he's 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 tough as nails. He didn't well. He didn't win any conversation. He just went in. He, just, he didn't, he didn't tell, have a conversation. Yeah, no, 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 there was no conversation. No, that was the truth. That's what that's what uh, that's what Coach Cliff Kingsbury said. He was like, yeah. I he's like because they asked him and he's like, I never Hopkins just kept going in and out of the game. I didn't know when he was going to go in the game or what his status was. So that's why it, it kind of messed up my game plan and what I was calling. Here's my concern, honestly, uh, about Hopkins and, you know, kind of reading some tea leaves. Hopkins is on an, uh, an about to be a free agent pretty soon. We don't have him locked up for too much longer. He is getting a little bit older, right? You have Hollywood coming in. Hollywood is going to be uh, Kyler's number one weapon. He will go to him very often, very early, uh, and they are going to build on that, right? My my issue with taking usually and uh, when I ever I draft a, a wide receiver and because of either an injury or a suspension and you're kind of banking on that second half production. If you are doing that, the best opportunity or the best chance and route is most likely right before they come back. You trade that person away while the hype is coming. Oh, he's only got two weeks left because more oftentimes than not, it does not actually pan out the way you think it's going to when they come back and their value actually declines. And I just say that specifically for this reason, because when he comes back, it isn't like it used to be, because when he comes back, Hollywood is not Christian Kirk. OK, Hollywood is not A.J. Brown. Those guys are going to be holding uh, Hollywood's jockstrap at the end of the day while he's scoring all these touchdowns and getting all these balls thrown his way. So I do think it'll AJ actually, Green. Or, yeah, what did I say? AJ Brown. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We, we knew. Got AJ we knew. Brown on, on the mind. <laughs> I wish, I wish AJ Brown too. That was like, whoa, we, we're but, feeling good yeah, about Hollywood. Yeah. 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 No um, cards. But uh, AJ Green, thank you. But. So I just don't know if because when Hopkins was his solo self, he was getting like 28, 
32% of the team's target share. And he's not going to get that if you've got Hollywood on this team. If you, if uh, if Moore steps up and, and gets even a little bit more uh, target market share than what he saw last year, I believe he only saw like 8%. He should, as a as a early draft or early round draft pick, should increase that uh, amount of targets as well. So, I do think I have some concern. Although I, I like you said, there his value isn't where you have to take him right now, and, and drafts isn't so terrible that you're like, oh, I'm really risking a a high pick here. But I I do think that there is a little bit of caution there. I can see that for sure. We've got some caution in the chat for Darren Waller. Jersey J saying, oh, big question. How low is Darren Waller's ADP? Just looked it up on four for four. That's a tight end premium. He's going in the third round, fourth round in some other leagues as well. Uh, how much does it change with the new wideout lineup? Like, is Waller a streamer now? Dave, this is an interesting question I'll pitch to you about Vegas, because not only do we have the new coaching staff, which kind of could excite you if you're talking about McDaniels and tight ends. That could kind of get you going a little bit. But then you have Devontae Adams coming in, and not to mention Hunter Renfro, who who blossomed last year into a huge target getter for this offense. So um, And plus the targets that have been gone to backs in a McDaniels offense as well. Where are you at on Waller? Uh, do you think that, you know, you, that he can have a bounce-back year here? Uh, I, I'm so off Waller at his current ADP because mm-hmm. he's still getting drafted as the fourth tight end off the board. And this is a year where I think that there are actually, and, and we kind of trick ourselves into this every single year, don't we? Thinking like this is the year that tight ends are deep, but it feels like they actually are. I'll go back to the Cardinals. I mean, <laughs> Zach Ertz was a yeah. monster after he got traded to Arizona last year. And you can draft him five rounds after Darren Waller is going. Dalton Schultz, who now is free of Amari Cooper and playing in Dallas, he could see 120, 130 targets, and he is getting drafted well after Darren Waller. Cole Komet is a guy that I've really been beating the drum for. I think he's going to step into 120 mm-hmm. to 125 targets, and you can get him as the 18th tight end off the board. So I, I think people are still kind of focused on last year when they think that Waller is in that very clear-cut elite tier of tight ends, but I'm not really seeing him there. I see him more in the Hawkinson-Goddard tier now. I think there's a big drop-off. I think you get past Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Those are the three difference makers. After that, everybody, you're pretty much banking on a weekly touchdown for them to live up to their production or live up to their value. Love it, love it. And Jersey Jay saying he loves the take as well. All right, moving on here, and it wouldn't be a TFW show if Johnny didn't sneak DeAndre Swift into the show notes somehow. <laughs> yeah, baby. So we'll put it up here. Dave Kluge talking about our guy, DeAndre Swift. Prior to his injury last year, DeAndre Swift was the RB5 in fantasy football and led all running backs in targets. 4 for 4 ADP has him at 204 and is RB number 9. Johnny, you got to talk to Dave about your boy DeAndre here. Yeah, Dave, I just, you know, I'm like the residential DeAndre Swift truther on this show. So I think it only right uh, being that you had this tweet. How high do you think you could reasonably because I, you know, people might not take my word for it on this show uh, because they might think I'm biased a little bit. Uh, How high would you take DeAndre Swift this year? Like how high do you think is is would be before you're reaching for your guy? as we like to say here. Okay, so I, I do rankings a little bit differently. As the season goes on, I'll tweak my rankings a little bit to try to reflect ADP, but right now I'm trying to plant flags with my rankings and trying to figure out where I think these guys are going to finish. I already talked about one of my spicier rankings, with it, which is Leonard Fournette as RB3, but my RB4 is DeAndre Swift. I mean, I am all in Let's on this go, guy. Baby. I think he's just a phenomenal talent. Um, the offense is going to run through him. The one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about, though, and and people seem to forget about this or just don't want to talk about it, he was awful as a rusher last year. Like not just yeah, like we, we less just than don't average. talk about it. Just he don't was talk about it. Awful as a no, rusher. Just... <laughs> but what this guy can You're do? Getting canceled by Johnny over here, Dave. <laughs> hey, but listen, I still got the guy as my fourth right. running back off the board. I mean, I, I I love his talent. What he can do in the passing game is absolutely insane. There aren't a lot of guys that can take a ball to the house from anywhere on the field. I mean, when you're Looking at that, it's Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones. I mean, it's a pretty short list of guys that are able to do that. Um, I, I, I'm just enamored with DeAndre Swift when I watch this guy on the field. So he is my fourth running back off the board. And uh, one, one of my favorite things, you know, you hear about hero running back all the time where you draft your running back in the first round and then you go out and you get all your wide receivers. My favorite move this year has been taking one of those top three receivers, Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase. I take one of those guys in the first round, 
Then I get DeAndre Swift in the second round, which is a top five running back value for me. And then I go with my receivers after. So it's kind of like, I I feel like I'm getting like a hero wide receiver and a hero running back and then still getting my wide receiver depth after the fact. I don't understand why DeAndre Swift is slipping into the second round. He's a phenomenal value. And and yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, I mean, neither, he's definitely neither can I. Yeah, we he's know. definitely elite pass catcher, but the rushing is a concern. And Jamal Williams still under contract, somebody that they're going to continue to grind with. But again, in fantasy, like it, it really doesn't matter if you're established in that receiving role. Any concern with you with a full slate, Dave, of, of the if, if the Lions are fully healthy, would that take away from kind of the ceiling that Swift has in the receiving game? Like if Hawkinson's really dealing, maybe halfway through the year to get Jamison Williams into the lineup, and then Amon Ross St. Brown established himself as well. Any of the new additions, too, in, in free agency? Not especially, because with Jared Goff as the quarterback, those checkdown passes are still going to be there. I mean, that's all he's done since he came into the league. Or just, um, you know, they, they didn't have a running back. Well, they'd had Todd Gurley get, catching him for a little bit, but I mean, that's pretty much what Robert Woods did. I mean, you can almost compare DeAndre Swift to Robert Woods and the roles that they play in this offense. So um, a, as much as I love the long-term outlook for what the Detroit Lions could be once they get a very capable quarterback, Right now, there are still going to be plenty of checkdowns heading DeAndre Swift's way. I'm expecting, you know, five to six targets per game. Love it, love it, love it. All right, we'll move on to our final uh, topic here with Dave. And this one was a really good one. I'm excited to end the show with it. I kind of feel like from this tweet, Dave, like we can build all of the burning questions for uh, 2022's like outlook of the fantasy season here. And what you have here are the most polarizing players with wide deviations among football guys rankers. You can follow football guys on Twitter. You can get them at footballguys.com. And so we'll list these guys off here. You got Zach Wilson, QB 11 to QB 29. That's where he's being ranked in between there. Matt Ryan, QB 13 to 29. Leonard Fournette, RB3 to RB16. Antonio Gibson, RB9 to RB29. Wow, wide range there. Uh, Damian, you're the one that's uh, probably pushing that up so much, huh? (laughs) Damian Harris, RB19 to RB44. Debo Samuel, wide receiver 4 to wide receiver 24. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 11 to wide receiver 33. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 10 to wide receiver. I love this game. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. I mean, there's just so many juicy ones here. So Austin, you, you, you spoke up here, which of these players is the most polarizing in your opinion? Um, And just speak on that a little bit. Oh my God. I've got chills all the way up my neck right now, dude. Like (laughs) show us, show us or it didn't happen. I I, I, I don't don't lie, dude. I don't, I don't lie, man. I show you, but, um, we believe to me, the most polarizing on here, uh, it, Debo Samuel, I can't get away from Debo because he was so elite. And Dave, I think it, I, I was I was perusing your Twitter and I think you had a I'm going to give you credit for it, even if it wasn't you. But you had a great stat up there about Debo Samuel in the first eight or nine games and then mm-hmm. nine beyond after that, where his role on the offense dramatically shifted. He wasn't a running back in those first two months of football. And then he had some meaningful shares at the halfback position in the second half of the season. But his overall impact was like right around that 21% mark, his involvement within there. So one, like, within one point of each, yeah. of each other in those splits. Okay. So it didn't really matter. Um, but he, he, Debo Samuel has done so much in his short time in the NFL. He's been he's been a highly touted prospect. He's been a bust. He's been a, a savior. <laughs> he's been hurt. He's been healthy. He's been off the 49ers. Now he's back with San Francisco. He's just all over the place. He's sexy as hell. He riles it up. I don't know what I'm going to get, and I freaking love it. So I'm, I'm not going to draft him, but I love watching everybody else ride the, <laughs> drive the train. So that's what I'm going to pick. Where do you hey. land, Dave, on the in-between uh, here? Wide receiver four or wide receiver 24? So when it comes to Debo, I'm smack dab in the middle. He is my wide receiver 14. Um, and I was, last offseason, I was the Debo guy. Like, I was the biggest proponent for Debo Samuel out there. I was the only person in the Fantasy Pros contest, over 200 rankers. I was the only person that had Debo Samuel ahead of Brandon Ayuk. And I fought that battle Ooh. all season, yeah. all offseason long. And, and I mean, I think that Debo Samuel is just an incredible talent. And last year he was getting drafted outside of wide receiver 30, which I thought was ludicrous. Mm. But I think that we got a little bit overexcited now when we're pushing him up into the top four, top five, top six. He is a great player, but last year he was so insanely efficient. Like Mm. he's not Mm going to see another eight touchdowns on the ground. That's just not going to happen. 
also that's you why got... they got price exactly yeah i mean he, he's gonna be getting more touches and then you've also got the switch with trey lance i mean just talking about the 49ers i feel like we could spend a, yeah. an entire hour just talking about the 49ers yeah. there's so much to unpack here with brandon Ayuk, who also saw a massive role shift around the mid-season point up until week nine this guy never saw more than 90 snaps in, in a, or 90 percent of the team snaps and then from week nine onward he saw 90 percent plus in every single game he finished as the wide receiver 16 over the second half of the season and was just killing it out there as the wide receiver well, Debo Samuel was playing running back. Elijah Mitchell mm-hmm. was getting running back snaps. Now you got Trey Lance taking over. You don't know if they're going to throw more, if they're going to run more. Last year, Debo Samuel had the goal line running back role, which is just mind-blowing for a wide receiver to have. But now you got Trey Lance, who's arguably one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league. He's going to be keeping that ball a lot at the goal line. So th- there's just way too much to unpack here. I didn't even mention George Kittle, who is now yeah. 100% healthy this offseason and who could be – I mean, there's just so many mouths to feed with a new – inexperienced quarterback i just can't really get on the debo high-end wide receiver one train do they do you think they ultimately move on do you think they do turn it over to lance uh and trade jimmy or do because they're kind of past jimmy being able to possibly as you know trade jimmy right now uh because they're post you know camp or post draft do you think they're going to end up keeping him i've kind of been saying that uh since as soon as the season ended that Don't be surprised one bit if Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. Um, I mean, we heard all of the rumors at the time that, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan really wanted to draft Mac Jones, that he kind of felt like his hand was forced into drafting Trey Lance. And Trey Lance looked good last year, but he didn't do anything spectacular. I mean, they schemed up plays to get guys wide open down the field and he hit them in stride, which is great. But once you get tape on them and defenses are able to adjust, I don't know if that's going to work out long term. And we know that this team can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was injured last year and they still just kept pushing him out there rather than turning the Mm -hmm. keys over to Lance. So for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan just loves Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and, you know, I'm I'm favoring Trey Lance for sure, but I still think there's like a 30 or 40% chance that Jimmy G is the week one starter. It's an interesting dichotomy you're talking about, and we could talk about the Niners forever because you talk about Shanahan just turning players over and maybe Lynch is like, no, wait, we just gave up the farm for Trey Lance. And, you know, like if you're Shanahan, you're like, C.J. Beathard, it doesn't matter. I can put Nick Mullins in here and run the offense. It, it really doesn't matter. So that's an interesting thing to talk about there. Johnny, your of these polarizing players we talked about, we list them out on that tweet there. Who do you have here as your most polarizing Oh, mo- most polar. Well, I, I, I just think I, I'll do it. I'll, I'll say uh, DK Metcalf mm. because with DK, I can actually under like it makes a whole lot of sense why there's such a vast range of where DK could actually land because one, you know, that there is at least some potential where DK could be just target like a target monster right we know tyler lockett is a is a fairly good wide receiver but we also know that like drew lock isn't the most accurate and who's going to be able to you know be a bigger target than dk metcalf and we saw that connection with Cortland sutton who is also on this list but Cortland sutton actually did have a top 12 season when he had drew lock as his quarterback so that's why i do think dk and you know you're going to get such a vast range always in in even every league because of you know what people think of seattle and and who their quarterback is now so i am really intrigued with dk metcalf i'm really hoping his value comes down especially in dynasty because i've been trying to acquire him and i know it's only a matter of time before he really ends up you know getting placed with a quarterback that and a coach that will actually uh, get him and make him a beast, but um, or return him to beast qualities there. So that would be mine. Would be DK Metcalf. Um, lastly, here uh, I'm going to ask you, Dave. You you were ranking with these guys. You wrote the tweet out. Which one had you raising your eyebrows the most here? Uh, DK Metcalf. But we just talked about him at length. So uh, I, I like everything Johnny said there. But I want to talk a little bit about Antonio Gibson because this yeah, guy's finished now yeah. back-to-back seasons. He has been in RB one. So it is wild to see a running back coming off two straight seasons as an RB1, hitting year three and getting ranked as low as RB29. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to see that. This guy played last year on a, what was it, a, a, a splinter chin? chin. Yeah, he had yeah. something going on with his leg, and he just muscled through it and just kept playing. 
And there are a lot of reasons to be concerned. You know, they brought back J.D. McKissick. They drafted Brian Robinson. We're concerned about what this offense is going to look like with Carson Wentz. But is Carson Wentz really that big of a step down from Taylor Heineke and Dwayne Haskins and whoever they've had for the last couple of years? I don't think so. So I think that people have overcorrected on Antonio Gibson. I keep my DMs open on Twitter and people DM me every single day asking for advice. And I get this DM almost once a day where somebody says, should I trade Antonio Gibson away for a second round rookie pick? And every single time I tell people, no, his value is so low right now. It just isn't worth it. I mean, this guy, even if he says, does see a little dip in volume last year, he's extremely efficient. He's a great runner. Um, I, I think his floor is about RB 20. And we know, cause we've seen it in two straight seasons that he's got an RB one ceiling. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of Gibson. Austin's a huge Gibson fan here. Uh, I love Gibson coming out. I, I, I just wonder if Washington loves Gibson at this point after everything they've said and done and, and, and the lack of, of passing game work when he was a converted wide receiver. It's a little bit scary there for and, sure. And people are so reactive to news this time of year. Did you see Rivera's quote yeah. about, I want to turn them into D'Angelo right, Williams right. and Jonathan yeah. Stewart? And then immediately you check, uh, keep trade cut. And just that day, his, his value just plummeted yeah. because people saw one bit of news in May. So um, for all the people out there rostering Antonio Gibson in your dynasty leagues or thinking about drafting him this year, just take a deep breath. If you're not overreacting, are you even reacting? Yes. <laughs> and yes. Gibson, Gibson reminded me of the play, you know, it was the Kenyon Drake uh, kind of persona of two years ago, right? Where, D, uh, where he finishes the end of the season ends up being, you know, a top 10 running back next year. People are like, I don't know if I buy in, whatever. He ends up, you know, you draft him somewhat high. He ends up not, you know, necessarily disappointing in the end of the year. He, he finished as a top 14 running back where his ADP was, you know, but because he didn't have those explosive mega, you know, where people thought that they were, they could get, then you know, the next following year, they were majorly. Yeah, why wasn't him. Gibson just super explosive on his almost exploded shin last year? You know, how <laughs> exactly. come he wasn't just absolutely dynamic? Yeah. No, I feel that. Dave, really quickly before we end the show, because we've already kept you a little bit longer here, I wanted to ask you, because I really think this question unlocks, and maybe not so much for his fantasy value and Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson being good or not unlocks so much in fantasy for me. We've seen the Jets load up on offense. If you look at Dynasty, we're talking about Brees Hall. We're talking about Garrett Wilson. You know, we we saw Elijah Moore break out last year. We saw Michael Carter do good things last year. Braxton Berrios, baby. Braxton Berrios. We were talking a little bit about him. Is Zach Wilson good or not, Dave? Because I need to know for my Jets fi fantasy investment. Uh, I really don't think Jet Zach Wilson's that good. That being said, I, di I didn't like what I saw from him last year. That being said, they're doing exactly what you want to see a team do around a young quarterback, just surrounding him with talent, bringing in Brees Hall, bringing in Garrett Wilson. So he's a guy that I find myself drafting a lot of. I actually just checked earlier today, and he's my third most rostered quarterback in best ball right now. Not because you I'm in love, love with him. Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, just because his ceiling is so, so high. I mean, this guy's a great athlete, and he is surrounded by phenomenal weapons. I mean, the ceiling is there that he could crack into that elite tier of quarterback this year. The scary thing is that his floor is what we saw last year. What did he finish as QB 29, QB 30 or something like that? I mean, he stunk yeah. last year and, and there's bad. a good chance that he just stinks again this year. But as far as just, you know, a, a good bet in a, in a two QB or a super flex or a best ball league, whatever it may be, I do like his ceiling. So I find myself drafting him, even though I'm not a big believer in his talent. Love it, love it, love it. We'll see what we uh, get out of the Jets. One of an interesting case studies uh, for me, and, and I think for everybody, just looking at all these different you know, things that are going on with the Jets. They're building the right way, like you said, which is probably, I don't mean to take shots at your boy Justin Fields, but it's not something Chicago's doing right now, right? Like, they're doing the opposite. And, you know, that maybe maybe that does something, actually, you know, for whoever comes in after Wilson. If they, if they move on from Wilson fast because they've built the team around it, maybe we can trust in Brees Hall and, and, and Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and these guys because yeah, I mean is there would be there be a more alluring spot for a uh, for a potential quarterback you know right, Jimmy G, Baker Mayfield gets to go to play in New York and have all these oh, phenomenal weapons what if, and what uh, if an elite quarterback gets disgruntled Russell Wilson what if you know we saw Deshaun Watson get moved in this offseason like it can happen now and I think that's why it's smart to build around your guy because even if he's not the guy your team's ready to drop a quarterback in and potentially be that team essentially well 
we dropped Dave in onto the show today and we had a great time. It was just been a blast, Dave. We really appreciate you coming on here. Obviously you're taking a little bit of a content break, but where can the people, you know, find some of your evergreen stuff that you've been working on all this time, obviously Twitter and all that, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's Dave K-L-U-G-E. And then you can find all of my written and video content at footballguys.com and youtube.com slash footballguys. Uh, I got three shows a week that I'm doing out there now. I've got my weekly short video that I'm doing on Wednesday afternoons, Wednesday evenings. I've got the mailbag show. And then Friday afternoons, I've got the launch pad coming out. I got two guests on there every single week. Actually just recorded this week's episode. And it's a really, really fun one with JJ Zacharyson and Alex Caruso. What I did is I took uh, situations where teammates have similar ADPs and then compare them and see who we like better at value. So we talk about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. We talk about... um, uh, you know, Damian Harrison, Ramadre Stevenson. We we go through and have a lot of really fun conversations. So that comes out tomorrow at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern. If anyone nice. wants to check that out, nice. Yeah, we'll definitely be checking it out. Nice well, thank you, you Dave. Jay. Yeah, love it. Uh, thank you, Dave. Thanks to Whisper Nation, Jersey J, Dave, Scott, everybody that was uh, in there. We appreciate Slim Reaper. It. Yeah, Freak Stomper. Appreciate all you guys. Uh, for Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Austin Sear, for Dave, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fancy Whispers. We're out. Peace. 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 Right here. Look at you go. You made it to the end of another one of our videos. Hey, if you still have some questions, I totally understand. Or you just want to join an awesome fantasy football community, head on over to our Discord chat. Link is in the description below. And if you're still not sold on us, check out one of these videos. Don't you hear the whispers?